you're listening to the It's Tough Dude podcast. My name is Jake Johnson. In this show, I talk about stories, adventure, Jesus, psychology, and literally any other topic that I find interesting. Sometimes I bring on a guest, and sometimes it's just me. Either way, I hope you join me as I navigate the deep waters of the heart. Because I get it. Life is tough. All right, y'all, welcome back to the podcast. Today, my guest is my dear friend, Naya Abernathy, who is the founder and educator at The Dignity Effect. She works as a public educator, curriculum designer, and peacemaker who focuses on social emotional learning and living for adults. While you'll find her critiquing societal issues such as racism, grind culture, and patriarchal hierarchy, she chooses to define her posture with less anti-language, what she's against, and speaks about what she's for, listening, learning, and being pro-dignity. She is a woman of faith who is decolonizing what that looks like, and her favorite way to connect with people is through conversation and food. All right, what's up, Naya? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Jake? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So I know you're sitting at work right now. Do you mind just explaining a little bit about uh, what you do? I know this is your... Um, professionally focused side of what you do. You've got two things you do, right? You've got the dignity effect and then the, remind me the name of the, like your, the one that works with like professional organizations. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's essentially the, the focus is the same, which is social emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. Um, The dignity effect that you see on social media that you'll see, um, you'll hear me talk about on podcasts or doing different, um events and things like that that's the public facing so focusing on individuals small groups families Mm -hmm. um things like that and uh but that same social emotional education is what i do if somebody hires me to train people at their organization um and so um somebody can hire me to come in and do social emotional education for professionals at mm-hmm. churches, at corporations, community spaces. Mm. Yeah. So which one of those uh, came first? So the, um, the organizational training is an outworking of what already existed um, in the Dignity Effect. Um, mm. the, so the Dignity Effect, I, I first kind of came up with the name of that. Mm-hmm back in uh, 2016. And I, I, re- I don't remember exactly what I was reading or listening to, but um, it was something from Brene Brown and something she mm-hmm. said in, in her work made, made me realize that this thing that I had been thinking about and trying to talk about and this thing that I had experienced, the word, the best word for it was dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once, once I realized that, then I was like, there's, it, it instantly became something that was not just for me, Mm. but I wanted it to be for others. And I always wanted to do that through some form of education, experiential Mm. um, training and learning. And, you know, when, when I first came up with it, I didn't, I wasn't as clear about what that was and what that looked like. Mm. as I am now, that was five years ago. So, um, 
but yeah, the dignity effect was it it was a way for me to embody the transformation that I had gone through in a way that I could give it to others so that mm. they might enter into it too. And so wow. that that's where it started from. And yeah. so it felt obvious for that to be offered to individuals. And so the first thing I did was make a social media page mm -hmm. <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> I'd never been on Instagram before my life. Um, and I'm not a social media person. And if you scroll all the way back to the beginning of my Instagram feed, you will be able to tell yeah. how much of a social well, media I think person. I, I think I found the dignity effect before I found like your uh, profile on Instagram. Oh yeah. I didn't have a profile on Instagram probably for about, three it was three years after that i said okay let me make my own yeah um just to kind of separate it because at that point i was really i had i had um become an llc like on paper mm. um i was really starting to form the business into something mm. that was more than an idea that i was hoping to do and so yeah. i was like all right this is my business profile and that was really important to me mm -hmm. to separate that out um, from my personal profile, because for me, that's about boundaries. Um, mm, okay. Yeah. I love what I do. I am not my business. I know brand people will say something different and that's fine, <laughs> but, I, but I'm not like I am yeah. at, at some point when I die, I want somebody else to keep doing this work. Mm. Um, and so in, in recognizing that and knowing that I was still wanted to be active and yeah. kind of getting into social media a little bit more and wanting to have my own mm -hmm. posts and things. I said, okay, let me have a little, I got a little small little page that yeah. mostly is just inverse people that follow me <laughs> and my family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I have that for, you know, all the little things and then have something separate for the dignity effect. And then very recently after speaking with someone who's interested in my work, it was crazy. Um, we, I was talking to him and he was like, I was just explaining to him what the dignity effect is as a business and what I do. Mm -hmm. He said, oh, so you, you train people at corporations. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> he said, well, what else would you do with that? Yeah. Like, would yeah. you? And I was like, I literally hadn't thought about that in specifics. And so when I, we talked a little bit more um, and it really felt like an opportunity to help people in ways where I've existed in work environments where mm. social emotional well-being was yeah. not a thing. Yeah. And I mean, I in work environments, work and volunteer environments at the church mm. where you're supposed to be helping people mm, come on at nonprofit organizations where mm -hmm. they now let's go help the community while you're killing your people who work for you. I said, okay, no. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I very much recognize how much that is needed. Mm -hmm. And it, once he said it, it made a lot of sense. And I was like, all right, uh, yep, you're right. I'm going to do it. So that part really coming into fruition as a separate thing, mm -hmm. and having a space, holding a little bit of space on the internet is, yeah. is very, um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that, so the side of you working with uh, corporations and like companies, that's relatively new. It's new in the very pointed aspect. I've worked okay. with nonprofits before um, doing like custom curriculum 
yeah. that is focused that has a social emotional focus whether it was peacemaking mm-hmm. um curriculum or whether i'm uh i was helping a nonprofit uh do curriculum around um an out of school time um program that they're doing with at-risk youth uh, mm. who are at risk for not graduating on time, but they mm. really wanted to dig into the arts and social emotional well-being. Yeah. So help them build that. So yeah. that is something that I've been doing, but telling, for instance, in, in HR department, I will come in and train your people, particularly your managers, mm-hmm. on how to not create environments where your employees keep quitting all the time mm. because they suck at managing people. They yeah. might be great at managing projects, but they mm. have no idea how to manage. Yeah. And manage isn't even a great word, but they have no idea how to really make sure that, that the people who you've hired actually want to stay there and keep working. Mm. Yeah. Because people don't quit jobs, right? People quit people. Mm. Um and that's not mine. I think John Maxwell said it first, but it's true. Yeah. I have quit yeah. people before. That is, wow, that is very true. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think one thing I'm liking from all you're saying is, and I noticed this, like, as I follow you, like, on social media, well, like, as I follow the Dignity Effect and seeing, I mean, I follow you too, but it's on the Dignity Effect that you yeah. post all this stuff is, like, there's such a relational nature to it right? Like you, you are clearly, um, I guess, opposing the very transactional nature that is like our society and our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we could take this all the way back to like the freaking Old Testament, right? And looking at uh, the book of <laughs> Exodus, you know, like, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the culture of Egypt at the time and everything. But literally, it's like, um, what, what you're pointing us to and what you're trying to instill in corporations, in individuals is how to really, how to be human, how to be able to relate to people um, rather than basing our relationships purely off of what we're getting or what they're getting from us, you know, like this conditional yeah. um, view of each other and view of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's probably one of my, like, I am not a business person whatsoever. I'm like totally against all this, you know, grind culture. Like I walk outside oh, no. I'm wearing flip-flops and shorts. Like I, like, <laughs> I'm, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't, I don't get the whole like business stuff, but mm-hmm. what I, what I do get is like, well I don't get relationships like at all I'm pretty I'm pretty bad at them you know like I really am but but I know that relationships have to be like this like there is there's got to be a mutuality to it and something that I have noticed with the dignity effect that you that you've kind of touched on is you're not just focusing on individuals or nonprofits, but you also seem to be focusing on the more systemic issues. Mm -hmm. Um, Like looking at things like racism, looking at things like peacemaking. And so a question for me is, what does it look like when you talk about dignity? Well, first, I'd like for you to kind of define dignity. Um, So I know this is kind of two questions in one, but what is it? What, what do you mean by dignity? And then what does it look like to actually have real relationships with people in situations that are difficult, whether this is an interpersonal relationship or even, you know, inter, uh, well, 
I'm trying to think of, you know, a system. like intercommunal inter. Yeah, there you go. Intercommunal, um, or international, um, mm-hmm. looking at, you know, global issues and stuff. Um, so yeah, I know that's, that's a lot that I just said, but it's all good. What's, um, yeah. So the, the definition of dignity that I work with is dignity is the God given intrinsic worth and value each being carries that cannot be taken away. Mm. Um, and I'm going to give a shout out to my, um, uh, our indigenous, uh, siblings and the wisdom mm. that they mm. offer and that they hold. Um, I'm going to give a specific shout out to pastor Sarah Quint, um, yeah. because in the process of learning about, um, particularly, um, indigenous wisdom, uh, of the people, um, who, were on the land that we call America long before um, <laughs> folks came over on ships um, is that there is inherent worthiness in every part of creation. Mm. And so I, my definition used to say um, that dignity is the God-given intrinsic worth and value each person carries. Mm. But as I've expanded my heart and my understanding and my experience mm-hmm. and listened to the wisdom of others, I'm like, oh, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. And so now, um, uh, Pastor, Pastor Sarah posted a, a handful of weeks ago um, about why, why do we think it's odd to pray for the water, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding that the water is a being, mm-hmm. um, not in the way that we might understand in westernized Mm. colonized thinking but it has purpose and it gives life and Mm. there's so much to it that is Mm. really beautiful there's there's wisdom and lessons to learn and so there is inherent worth and value Mm. in the water in the Mm. land in you know uh brothers and sister bird that get up Mm. and sing to us in the morning and so Mm. so then dignity can expand to things like um, creation care, ecological justice, and things like that. And so mm. specifically, I want to really honor what I have learned, particularly recently from, again, people like Pastor Sarah Quint, mm. Robin Wall Kimmerer, who wrote Braiding Sweetgrass, um, L.O. Hay with uh, Randy Woodley and his wife. Like these are the spaces mm. um, among other individuals where I'm, I'm learning and the definition of what dignity is and the imagination that I'm able to have behind dignity evolves and expands because of, mm. because of their, because of their existence and because yeah. they're here with me at such a time as this. Um, and how does dignity inform the way that we interact in relationships that are difficult Mm. um the main thing and if again if you scroll back to the beginning of my instagram be just (laughs) trying to work some of this out yeah um dignity to me is directly tied to story Mm. i cannot i can make up a story about you that's based on my assumptions that's based on my biases that's Mm. based on um my singular perspective and understanding of the world Mm. um but that's not your story about you. That's my story about you. Mm. So at what point do I find value in laying down my story about you and being and coming to you open-handed and open-hearted and saying, mm. please, if, if you will gift me your story, mm. I am willing to really listen and to hear you mm. and to even be challenged. 
by the things that that exist in your story and in your narrative Hmm. um, and in your experience that I might never experience. Jake, there are things that I will never experience that you will because I'm not a white male from the Hmm. South. Yeah. And there are things that I will experience that you never will because you're not a black woman from the South. Hmm. And so when we come together and we're willing to hear those differences, Hmm. all of a sudden the world, um, gets a little more complicated Um, (laughs) (laughs) things become a little less simple and now i need your story i need your experience and i need your perspective to make sense of things and to learn how to move throughout the world in a in a posture that is whole not just Mm. for me but for you as well yeah um and that is like that that what story does for us and in us and between us is really, really central to dignity being realized um, mm. and, and shared. It's very similar to Ubuntu, um, which yeah. says like, I am because you are. There is like, mm. I, I am not me without you. And that's very, like that concept does not naturally exist in American society and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, particularly in probably in any westernized colonized mm. worldview it, yeah that that is not something that makes sense and so dignity is a way to bring that back into relationships mm. even when they're hard now it's easy for me to say that about you and i because we have like common foundation and there's some yeah. things we're both going after what happens when i'm talking to somebody or I'm interacting with somebody and we're like doing this, right? We're just completely yeah. on a different plane, going in different directions. Mm-hmm. The thing that I love about dignity is that it doesn't require you to agree, which means I can, I can remind myself mm. of the dignity of my enemy before I interact with them. Mm. That is not always easy, but it can be very powerful mm. to remember that my enemy is a human mm. with a story with experiences it doesn't necessarily excuse poor behavior on their behalf or on my behalf either um what it does is it it helps empathy rise to the surface so as we figure out well how do we deal with what has happened how do we deal with the way we are having so much trouble relating or coming up with a with an um with a solution that is not an either or where yeah. I win and you lose, mm. or um, you you win and I lose, but where can we say, all right, there's some give and take, but both of us walk away from this saying, mm. okay, we can move forward with this. And that's, and I'm saying you, you know, you and me, but mm. also communally, how do the communities come together and are able to sit through somebody's story, mm. are able to tell their story honestly, Those are some of the things that I think dignity offers us when it's really, really difficult. Mm. Um, And it also allows us to to be in a place within our relationships where we we can allow the other person to not be ready. I'm not ready to talk about this. I'm not ready to forgive you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mm. Because people people have to be able to hold their own emotions and their own pain and go through their own process. And I am not the dictator of what that looks like. Mm. 
Amen. And if I believe that you hold the same level and amount of dignity that I do, and it never changes, and it's yeah. always the same, yeah. then I can I can allow you to be where you are, um, and and I can say, all right, I'm here when when you're ready. I'm here if you're ever ready, and if you're mm. not, maybe that's part of the consequence of what has happened within the relationship. Mm. Um, Yeah. And the other thing I think that dignity does, which I think is when you talk about things like systemic issues, communal issues, mm -hmm. racism, um, sexism, all the isms, all the stuff where people just, <laughs> all the isms yeah, and, the, and, the, other and the phobias, <laughs> the isms and the phobias where yeah. we other one yeah. another, we say, no, you are over there and I'm mm. over here and never the twain shall meet because yeah. what do we have to agree on or come together mm. over? Um, one of the things that dignity does is when someone challenges you, when someone brings up something that is hard for you to hear, that's mm. honest or truthful, or makes you look at yourself and say, well, I thought I was a better person than that. Or I thought <laughs> our community didn't yeah. do that, but maybe we do. Is if you're grounded in this reality that you have worth and value no matter what, mm. then when what you have held onto as your identity becomes challenged, mm. it might rock you a little bit, but you don't have to try and cling to this thing yeah. that really is actually somebody's trying to tell you this is harmful. The way that you move Amen. through the world, the way that you show up in our relationship, the way that you take this part of this sacred text and then wield it like it's a weapon. Mm. Mm. Amen. Instead of being, no, I don't, you don't know, blah, blah, blah. You can sit in that and be like, well, this is really hard to hear. Yeah. But I know that I am grounded in something that's deeper than this thing that might need to change. Mm. Um, it, again, dignity doesn't make things easier per se. It, yeah. it really, but what it does is it helps us show up. Mm. Like, in so a way that in a way that I feel like is disarming too. Yeah. Like it's like it's if if as you said talking about, you know, whoever the enemy is, whether it's in a interpersonal relationship cuz sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm not married, but I know sometimes your spouse may seem like enemy at times, right? Um Come or, on. <laughs> or your kid or your yes. coworker, your boss, like whoever it is. Like we're not all yeah. talking, you know, it's it doesn't always have to be these big community issues or national issues or you know international systemic issues whatever it is it could be something seemingly small like uh, individual but those are honestly sometimes the ones that affect us the most in in yeah. some cases right mm -hmm. and it's like what does it look like to to recognize okay this person is made in the image of god this person right. before anything else this person is like at the very beginning of creation they're called good Right? Hey, like, that's, like that's like their true nature i know i mean i'm mm. not trying to get into the whole theological so we can but it's like you know the what a lot of the early church fathers said was like our true nature is that mm -hmm. we are good yeah right? our false nature is like you know the sinful nature that 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 wants to you know kill still and destroy that's right but like who we are in our being like right like is like we bear the image of god and like we mm. are like we were made to be good 
And yep. so it's like, what does it look like to call out that inherent goodness, call people out That's of it. darkness into the light that they, that they were made in, right? Come on. And made you out of it. better not preach like, on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for real, it's like, what, is it, what does that look like going into these relationships, whether it's a hard discussion or what, like, it seems mm. to me peacemaking, when we talk about peacemaking of any sort, it is like, first off, it's got to be, it's got to be relational. And then mm-hmm. that, okay, now we can look at what do these things that at times look like transactions, you know, as far as like um, yeah. reparations or, uh, you know, even in, in a romantic relationship of like things that you want from that person, right? Mm-hmm. Like those things at times may seem transactional, but it's, I, I think they're, it's, they're not really, it's built off of relational. It's more of like, okay, if we're both abiding in this flow of love, we're going to give and receive from each other. Right. And, and kind of, and then from that, we can move on to what are the practical applications of this in different scenarios. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyways, I'm just ranting now trying to sum up everything that you just said. Um, Well, it's interesting as you talk about being transactional, because I think the verses like, well, what's the other thing that I can, if it's not transactional, what is it? And I think we can be transformational instead in our relationship. Okay, preach. That's good. Wow, man. (laughs) Right? Transactional versus transformational. Wow. Um, and so when you talk about the hot button topic of like reparations, which yeah, this yeah. came up, um, you know, we keep talking about inverse. I'm trying to not, but yeah, yeah. Well, okay. um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought of it because of our conversation with Mako the other day. Yes. Is that what you were thinking of? Yes. Okay. Because it's like, I love the story of Zacchaeus mm, yeah. and where Jesus claimed that he had found salvation was not when Jesus okay i'm gonna say it it's not when jesus was at the cross we said okay all the people that are blessed before now you are experiencing salvation because i went to the cross yeah in the moment that zacchaeus said i'm not just gonna give i'm literally going to change my financial social status Mm. in what i give back to those i stole from yeah so it wasn't just a oh you're right that was a little dirty the way i treated these people yeah it was it was dirty i would like to not not just not do that in the future yeah but i am willing to change my current lifestyle yeah to right this wrong in this life not yeah. say well bless i hope you when you get to heaven blah 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 yeah. right now you're going yeah. to experience the reign of god because Ex- i can Ooh, do this on. thing and that's the I can yeah. physically do it. And to yeah. me, I'm just like, it's these are the things that we when we start, we it Drew talks about Drew Drew Hart talks about a Jesus shaped imagination. Mm. We read these stories about Jesus and who he interacts with and how they interact with him and who Jesus is um is amazed by. Yeah. And we play it down into this thing where it's like, isn't that nice? And it's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, I think you're missing. Something major just happened. Yeah. And then we call it workspace salvation when somebody wants to do something good. Like, because I, I, I wrote a blog um, about a month and a half. It was while I was in Iraq. I wrote this blog and I talked a lot about the story of Zacchaeus. 
And um, I quoted our our man, uh, Chris Green. I love Chris Green. Yes. Um, <laughs> like straight up, like what a guy. Um, I think he's he's one of my uh, theological crushes. Um, oh. <laughs> um, but the it's like with, you know, thinking about that story of Zacchaeus, like, like as you said, you know, Zacchaeus, he wasn't there praying a sinner's prayer. You know, like Jesus wasn't like, all right, everybody with their eyes closed. Like, and Zacchaeus <laughs> raised his hand. But like when yes. Zacchaeus, like Zacchaeus, comes into contact with jesus like jesus mm-hmm. himself is salvation right mm-hmm. like we mm-hmm. talk about like like yeah like jesus saves because he is like he is self, the salvation that has come mm-hmm. right and he's the one who makes the reign of god visible right like right. makes like the whole you know bringing heaven onto earth type of thing mm-hmm. and so i think one thing that i see in that story because i people like I, even just oh man i know we're gonna start taking theological rabbit trails but like even <laughs> the whole idea of trying to make the gospel all about going to heaven when you die mm-hmm. right like not only is that i would say not what jesus is really about what the story of mm-hmm. jesus is about but it also then it starts making you ask questions that you otherwise wouldn't really need to ask if, yeah you know and mm-hmm. so as you said like i love that idea of with Zacchaeus, it's, he is, it is through his relationship with Jesus, he's being transformed in a way that makes the reign of God visible, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. rather than this platonic idea of like, oh, okay, yeah, like, okay, like, I feel bad for what I did. And, you know, we'll all go to heaven together and like have a party. It's like, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna have a party right now, because the reign of God is here. And we're gonna, oppose, like, we're gonna oppose these systems, yes. like, powers and principalities, that you know not only are systems oppressed by but that we as individuals are oppressed by in our own personal relationships mm-hmm. right that dehumanize ourselves dehumanize other people demean other people and mm-hmm. so like i see that story of zacchaeus like i mean he's like another thing i know man i'm just name dropping but like um uh our dude jonathan martin um, yeah he talks about um the like the invitation of the table Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like look at the Zacchaeus story him and him and Jesus are sitting there at the table they're sharing a meal over a meal yes they're sharing a meal right and um and Jesus says today salvation has come to Mm -hmm. his house Mm -hmm. now I've always well not always but like recently like I read that story just as I said it's like Jesus is the salvation that he's saying Mm -hmm. he's saying like I've come to his house and like Zacchaeus hasn't rejected me you know Mm -hmm. and you see that transformation of of now Zacchaeus is now responding by this invitation of, okay, what does it look like to live out the kingdom of God here in my, in my actual life? It's like, what is this to be a conduit of grace, of love, you know, of Mm -hmm. kindness? What is, what does that look like? And like, I don't know, I get frustrated because about like when people get into arguments of like, Oh, well, like we shouldn't like like i don't know it gets so contradictory because people are like oh yeah we need to take care of people but then like once you kind of push it and be like okay like what are we actually doing to take care of people it's Mm -hmm. like oh but well no you just need to preach the gospel type of thing and and i'm like uh, like no this isn't taking anything away from grace this is actually Mm -hmm. like that god's grace is so abundant you know and and like like God is so full of grace 
that if if our lives are to be overflowed by the love of God, then it's going to have like it's going to have fruit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's there's also too. Now we start getting into the negative side of it. Of you know when I hear um, people, I, I always want to say reformed people because it normally is, but when they're <laughs> when they're like oh, like, um, are you doing enough? Like you're lukewarm. Um, mm-hmm. like, are you doing enough for God? Are you like, like, and yeah. I'm like, okay, that's not healthy. Like that's yeah. like, no, like do not. Cause be, then you get into like, this comparative, like exactly. well, I'm doing exactly. this, how come you're not? Instead of like, exactly. can we follow the spirit together? Yeah. Right? And so that's why there it's, it's perfectly possible. And I think it, it's very likely if we're not careful to just swing the pendulum and become progressive Mm -hmm. fundamentalists, you know, and now just like be throwing stones at people for not doing certain things or for not. Jesus was like, everybody dropped the stone. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. And here's the beauty of it. Jesus didn't come to Zacchaeus's house and say, you know what, you know, um, you're, I, I don't know. Jesus didn't come to his house carrying judgment yeah and the one who oppressed was set free as well the one who oppressed realized that his oppression was oppressing him like the oppression that he gave out to others Mm. was affecting him yeah and at some and i know you know people might say well the the text don't say that listen let me tell you something if this man (laughs) who was living real good yeah all of a sudden decided he was gonna give back four times more than what he had taken so you yeah. realize something whether it says it in there or not okay and if we want to talk about like uh works righteousness for a minute one thing that separates Zacchaeus from any type of you know works righteousness is like oh I'm trying to get the approval of God is mm-hmm. what is Zacchaeus's whole um like his emotion there he's not mm-hmm. like oh man I hate myself. I feel so guilty. I don't know if God's going to love me type of thing. It's he's like overflowed with joy yes. because he was feeling so much shame. Like he was feeling so much shame and Jesus, you know, this is like where our friend Chris Green talks about how judgment doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know, or our idea of what judgment should be, how that it never works. Right. So Jesus sees Zacchaeus up in the tree, you know, and Zacchaeus is, is the oppressor in this, in this case. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jesus invites the dude for dinner, but he invites the guy for dinner at, at Zacchaeus's house. Yeah. He's like, like I'm coming to your like, house tonight. You know, like that, like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, that's the, that's the judgment in that story. I feel mm-hmm. like is, is Jesus like, he, he sees Zacchaeus, like, you know, Zacchaeus is curious about something. Like there's something mm-hmm. that he's, he's wanting. He's like, okay, there's something different about this dude. And Jesus isn't like, you know, now speaking against Zacchaeus. And we could talk about those stories too with the Pharisees and Sadducees mm-hmm. and all that. But because there's a time for that. But in this particular mm-hmm. instance, it's like, no, he just like freaking blows Zacchaeus's mind with like, yo, let's let's sit down, let's share a meal. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, if we want to talk about dignity, like that's dignity right there. Oh yeah, breaking bread with yeah. people who nobody else would break bread. And nobody yeah. in that crowd breaking bread was like that, exactly. And that's what, like, <laughs> undoubtedly, like, it's the the people in that crowd 
well, I can't even, I think it's, I think there's a verse. I can't remember. Correct mm-hmm. me if you know, but like, I think there's a verse where people are kind of upset at Jesus for eating with Zacchaeus. Um, I don't remember. So I okay. can't correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel, I feel like there is, I don't know. I mean, you have verses like that with when he's eating with other people of like, Oh, why is he eating with such sinners type of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it always blows my mind where it's like, cause sometimes I do want to be, uh, I do want to throw stones, but just at the, I want to throw stones at, uh, the type of person that I used to be. Right. Yes. And, yeah. but I'm like, no, that's not how that's, that's not how you like that never leads to transformation, never leads to, um, mm-hmm. repentance. Right. You know, we talk about the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. Like, if me now, if I was to go back in time and just like freaking throw stones at my 16, 17 year old self for some of the beliefs that he had and behaviors that he had, Mm -hmm. um, like that wouldn't really do anything. And so, and it's not honoring your dignity because you had the fullness of dignity at 16, just like you have the fullness of dignity Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And I think, you know, people talk about things like shadow, shadow work and like healing your inner child and things like that, because there's an understanding that we do certain things out of survival, especially as we're developing as children. And if there's something that you, whether explicitly or it's just understood, like either you do this or you lose belonging, you Mm. lose community, you lose resources, you lose love, you lose safety, you lose, you like, all right, I'm gonna have to, I can't, okay yeah <laughs> what like, you say yeah no, that's <laughs> whether it comes true. from church or family or whatever and instead we what we have not done or what we have not typically experienced is the honoring of our dignity even as children yeah and if you want to talk about how jesus and the scripture talks about children and oh, the yes. care yeah. that jesus calls us into as children i think so much of that has to do with Jesus saying, you have a certain view, which is, this is basically all the things Jesus is saying. You have a certain view about these kind of people. Yeah. But I'm trying to change your view to understand that Imago Day exists from day one. Mm. It's not earned. It doesn't go away. Yeah. It is there because I put it there. So yeah. you're going to keep pushing against it if you want to, but understand that you're mm. pushing against the yeah. very reflection of me Ooh, in this come being. Come on, come on. You can't, you can't get rid of it. You can't get you rid can't. of it. It's like, you, like, I, yeah, I was, um, reading a book. Uh, it's like this really small book. Um, it was, it was really good. I recommend it to a good bit of people that are like interested in the Jesus story and all It's super easy to read. It's called, um, I think it's called like, uh, this thing called Christianity. It's by this mm-hmm. guy, Jefferson Bethke. And he, there's, there's this line in it where he says, um, no matter what you do, you can't rub the image of God off of you. That's and right. what's, what I love about that is he is, I, I don't think explicitly in the, in it, he's saying this, but he's like, what he's saying implicitly is he is completely um, going against the line that so many preachers and pastors say, which is no matter what you do, you can't get your sin off of you. Mm. Right. Cause I've heard mm-hmm. that in sermons mm-hmm. all the time. Like we'll preach that. But mm-hmm. what we won't preach is is like your inherent dignity, inherent worth, value, simply based off of who you are. So because if you preach that, then you got to do something different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you have to then start honoring. Then people are like, wait, because people aren't dumb. We're not stupid. Yeah. yeah. So if you say 
every being, every part of creation holds dignity. Yeah. And you preach that and then people start thinking about what that means. And then yeah. people go back to scripture and with that lens, yeah. then you're going to start getting questions about what you do and don't do via your organization, via your congregation. What are you yeah. doing and not doing with my money? What are you doing and not requiring of my time? What, what yeah. do you tr- like? What's the goal here? If this thing is true, then people's imagination can start to open up. Like, what does that mean then? Yeah. If like you said earlier, if, I am good. If creation is good, if God is good and is reflected in me and in, in creation as creation exists, what does it look like for me to show up fully embracing my dignity? Mm. Because here's the other thing I always say about dignity. If you only recognize dignity in yourself Mm. and you never recognize it in your neighbor Mm. and your loved one, Mm. if you don't recognize it in others, then whatever you saw in yourself ain't dignity, boo-boo. I don't know what yeah. it is, but it's, it's yeah. that's not it. Pride. Dig, dig, right, yeah. ego, something else. Dignity has to be, it's like mm. a boomerang. Mm. Like it, yeah. it comes out and comes back. It's cyclical, it's shared, it's, it's connected, it's common. Yeah. And it has to be, or it's not what it is. Mm. And so when we start to get an imagination around the reality that every being, mm. people, the water, the tree, yeah. the stars, yeah. our atmosphere and our air, everything, everything carries worth and value. Everything is from the creator and then has some essence of the creator in it. Mm. Child, then I've got a lot of responsibility mm. to the, the trees and the squirrels in my neighborhood. Yeah, I have responsibility to... Um, to, to the air that I breathe, to the earth that I pass on to my children, yeah. to yeah. how my neighbor does and does not live, what they do mm. and don't have access to. It now becomes, it's not their problem. It's a shared problem. Yeah, It's a shared issue that I become a part of the solution so that there is flourishing, not just mm. in this part of town, but if you go over the road tracks, they're not flourishing. Mm. Mm. How does flourishing you know, I'm just, I'm envisioning railroad tracks where there's like one side, there's houses, yeah. there's green grass and flowers. And there's another side, yeah. there's gravel and torn down. How do we yeah. get the flowers to grow over mm. the railroad tracks into the Come other on. part of the city? Yeah. So that everybody flourishes. Everybody yeah. has what they need. So that creation yeah. is free to be what creation was created to be. Mm. This is the imagination that dignity invites us into. Yeah. And the reason why it's not preached is because it requires too much of people who are unwilling to mm. be Zacchaeus. Mm. Mm. Come on. Yeah, that's good. And it's so like, th- this is a perfect example of how you know, people want to talk about how theology is just like this abstract thing, but it is, it directly affects the way that we live our lives mm-hmm. because I'll get just an example right here. Um, if, if we believe that um, God's just going to rapture us all up to heaven and destroy the earth, well, why care okay. about the ecological crisis? Like there's, yeah. you know what I mean? It's um, the end anyway. Yeah. Like, or, um... <laughs> or if we interpret Genesis one and two, when it talks about, you know, taking care of creation, as us just dominating creation and doing with it what we want mm-hmm. and then not doing anything about um, the problems that come from that. Mm-hmm. Right. Then like, if, if that's our interpretation of it, um, 
then same thing. Why we have no, like, why would we, why would we care like about all those hippies that want to save the trees or (laughs) for the, or why should I stop littering if like, Oh, well, like whatever, it's mine to do with what I want. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that, that's like quite honestly, like the dangers of theology. Um, And dignity does not give space for domination. Mm, you just yeah. talked about that, right? Yeah. That we can we can read the text, and I think we people do this with all kinds of sacred texts. Mm. Even even if you want to take a step down from sacred and say really important or formative texts, yeah. Dignity does not leave space for domination. Mm. So again, if you are entering into this conversation or this experience around dignity, and there still exists this grasping for hierarchy, that's not, that's not dignity. Um, And when we're considering what we've been told to do, take here, take care of, take care of what I've given you. Mm. We have to remember that we weren't just given the earth, but we were given each other. Mm. And so in what mm. God has called us into, yeah. take care of what I have given you. Again, we, we can't take care of the earth and not be concerned about also taking care of each other. Yeah. Um, and there's something in that where you can't parse one thing out. I care about the environment, but I really don't care about the, my neighbors down the street who can't feed their kids regularly. You can't parse those things out. Or the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like, like for me, the whole ecological crisis is a brand is that is a completely new issue that I have started to care about. Like, and like, quite honestly, I know very little and have read very little, especially from like theological uh, sources. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just not something that I was raised to be concerned about or to think about. Right. Like it was never, it was never really to me considered like a quote unquote Christian issue. Right. Um, But as you said, like that's something like we can't compartmentalize Mm -hmm. these things. Now I do think when people like, obviously when we're facing, you know, very severe, like individual interpersonal relationships, we're probably not going to be as concerned as a lot of these um, larger issues because we've got our own, you know, we've got enough crap to deal with in our own little families or communities. Right. Um, But there comes a point where we start to see past that and be like, okay, wow, what like, what it, what am I doing? How is this affecting these larger issues? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's something like race, racism, um, you know, the environment, uh, the you know um, global issues, right? War, mm-hmm. um, yeah, things like that. So it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like if I'm yeah. hungry. Yeah, Please don't yeah. talk to me about the fish in the ocean. Like, exactly. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to get a meal. Exactly. And and again, I I was thinking about this yesterday. I'm like, man, it there we could make sure that every child was fed in this country. 
Mm. I think most industrialized nations yeah. could probably figure out how to do that. They would have to take some money from somewhere else where they might not want to do that. Um, yeah. But they could. But then if every if people don't have to worry about food, guess what? We start imagining other things. Oh, yeah. well, now this is my need is met. I have food, I yeah. have shelter, yeah. and I'm safe. Yeah. I don't have to I don't have to spend my days worrying about that. So now mm. I have time to, you know, take care of myself, mm. take care of those around me, imagine a world that's better, put my mm. energy towards making that world better. Yeah. I don't think people really want us doing that because then we're talking about shifts in power. We're talking about the divestment yeah. of power. We're talking about people um, learning and being connected to and imagining a better way to live that is nothing like what we have now. Mm. And that a, a people who, who, who do that are dangerous people to those who hold power, which mm. is why people part of movements like following Jesus and other movements mm. around the world get killed. They're like, yeah. okay, no, y'all doing too, y'all making too much noise. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's, there's power in people and us taking care of each other because then we get to connect on levels that, that are this interpersonally um, um, beautiful and specific, but then we start to especially when people from different communities start connecting and imagining a world mm. where our communities can live together what does that look like what does it mean yeah. for us to be supportive of each other what does it mean for us to make sure we all have the resources that we need mm. child we mess a whole bunch of stuff up if we had the space to do that mm. which is you know and so again i i've seen people calling for things like and not just here this is in other places like um, calling for like guaranteed income, calling for things where pe so that if if we had this, mm. we would not have to be so stressed. Like, oh my gosh, I lost my job. A lot mm. of times, that has nothing to do with the person. Mm. I lost my job. How am I going to feed my family now? I got to, and so now I'm doing all these other things. Mm. And I think about um, and Robin Wall Kimmerer talks about this in Braiding Sweetgrass. I think about the existence of societies where you didn't have to pay for food mm. or there was a gift economy that existed or it wasn't no. like you need to have money to get food. It was like, I, I have a strawberry patch in my front yard or, um, you know, I, I have chickens and so we have yeah. eggs and I can trade some of my, I have eggs for my family. I can mm. take the extra eggs and trade them for what you have. Yeah. And so it was about what do you already have? Mm. Like, and I think it makes me think about, um, and, uh, when Paul talks about, we are one body with many different members, we operate and serve different purposes so that the body can do what it does as one. What if the body was all an eye first? Ew, that's super scary. Also, <laughs> then there's a lot we don't get done. You yeah. can see a lot of stuff, but you can't hear nothing. You can't say nothing. You can't taste anything. Mm. And so when we talk about things like experiencing each other's food and presence and stories at the table, mm. there's something about that where we are able to come together, honoring each other's dignity, the way that it shows up in our stories, the way that it shows up in our food, the way that it shows up in our culture, the way that it shows up in our hospitality practices. Mm. We're able to be in a space with each other 
where our imagination can expand for one another. Mm, yeah. Right? And there's something really powerful about that that has us thinking, does it really have to be this way? Mm. And yeah. what does it look like for us to come together? And maybe maybe my generation doesn't experience it um totally differently but maybe my grandchildren do because of what i start doing today because of how i start using my imagination today because of what i decide to do with my resources today because Mm -hmm. where are my zacchaeus moments where are my um uh uh, and i'm just i'm sure i don't want to focus too much on that because i feel like zacchaeus you know people can I don't want somebody yeah, to get yeah. caught up in like, this is what it has to look like. But yeah. it's not just Zacchaeus. Where are my moments? Where are my moments where Jesus meets me mm. and looks at me and says, oh, today salvation has come to your house. Mm. We're not just saved one time from one yeah. thing. You go Amen. through a process of salvation, yeah. which is in, in many church circles is called sanctification. It's the process mm-hmm. of becoming and we talk about walking with Jesus in that becoming. And I believe that succinctly, no matter what you think or feel about Jesus, we sanctification and that becoming happens as we move closer to fully expressing our, the, the unique way that Imago Day shows up in us. Mm. As we move towards wholeness, mm. I think that really is sanctification. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to be whole while the people around me aren't whole. And I think the radical thing that Jesus says, it, to me, it's one of the hardest parts. And it's also amazing. It's in Luke 6 where Jesus says, you know, love your enemies and goes further and says, listen, be kind to the unthankful and the evil Mm. and every one of us can think about times when we've Mm. been unthankful we might not call ourselves evil yeah but we can all think about time and and then i'm like how those things coupled together that feels very meaningful (laughs) but um but um and then jesus says and and then when you do this you will be like your father in heaven in other words when you Mm. do this you are continuing to bring the reign Mm. of god into Mm. the earth today that's hard i think that's one of the hardest things we're told to do and i think what jesus does on the cross when he says i refuse to kill my enemies Mm. is i refuse to kill them because they still are image bearers Mm. yeah and i'm not going to kill the image of god Mm. i'm not going to kill the one that bears my heart and the Mm. goodness that i gave them i'm not going to do that yeah yeah no absolutely and the thing about that is like it like quoting from luke about be kind just as your father is kind is like in doing that there's the hope that by not responding with the same um like desire for basically retaliation or the defeat or destruction of the other there's the hope that that person will will now step in to what it means to flourish of what it means to be human like step mm-hmm. into the light right you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. the the hebrew word for sin is this word kata mm-hmm. and it translates to pretty much destruction is pretty mm-hmm. much the meaning of it 
And, you know, so people, you know, growing up in like, you know, Southern Baptist churches, like we want to talk about sin and, you know, we, we kind of create this like do and don't list of, okay, right. these things you can do, these things you can't do. It's like the amount of times I've heard in, um, in a youth group about, oh, how far is too far with yeah. my boyfriend or girlfriend, right? It's like, that's not even the right question to ask. Like, <laughs> come on. Correct. Like, I don't how do like, I honor the image of God in my boyfriend or my girlfriend? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. wow. Look at that. Yeah. Because there are, and there are that's plenty, real different. a whole nother conversation here, but there are plenty of, um, like, um, sexual relationships that are existing outside of marriage that do a way better job of honoring the image of God in the other person than, um, relationships within marriage like that's right. a that's a fact like you yeah. like that really is so like okay which one is which one's more destructive which one's more dehumanizing Come on. than the other right like instead yes. of having this like list of do's and don'ts of this one is you know this is okay in this context this isn't type of thing it's like what is what is destructive what's hurting the other person or and mm -hmm. dehumanizing ourselves and then what does it mean like what does flourishing actually look like and like what we know yeah. looking at the life of jesus like flourishing never looks like um an eye for an eye mm -hmm. or responding with the same physical or vocal violence as what we're receiving mm -hmm. um like and yeah so yeah, I mean, it's such a complicated conversation. Like, as you said, you know, once we start, um, once we enter a conversation or a conflict with this idea of, okay, this person is a human just like me, like they have mm -hmm. dignity just like me, they have worth value just like me, that suddenly makes things way more complicated mm -hmm. because it's so much easier to just classify people as other, as right. different. Yeah, you know, whether it's um, like a different um, religious group, a different ethnicity or race, um, people with different sexual orientations, like whatever, people with different political affiliations, like it's so much easier for us to just like to name that particular group as other and then now come up with all the reasons as to why they're wrong. But like, what does it look like to to make, call out things at times that that Ooh. are wrong that are destructive yep. um that do not like bear um dignity in the other person but do so in a way that is leading towards like a, the, the reign of god like taking place here and now right like right. i mean as we play the pray the lord's prayer on earth as in heaven mm -hmm. um like what I heard a quote, I think it was by this guy, Frederick Buechner, who said, um, like talking about Jesus calling the religious leaders whitewashed tombs mm -hmm. and saying that he did so precisely because he loved them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Truth telling. Yeah. I was getting ready to say that. Yeah. Like there, there is, we honor each other's dignity when we truth tell. If you're harming me, yeah. I need to tell you that truth. Mm. And if you're harming me to the point where I can't tell you, one, I'm th and I'm particularly thinking about children because it gets very complicated when we're yeah. talking about children in spaces where they, you know, yeah. Um, 
but I think as adults, because I don't think there's children listening to this podcast, <laughs> we, us being advocates for those who can't tell the truth. Yeah. But they need the truth to be told so that mm. they can, again, be safe, be cared for, be loved, and be able to heal and flourish. When we tell the truth to those we might consider our enemy, those who are oppressive or harmful, mm. then there is opportunity for that person to confess and to change. Mm. There's opportunity. There's no promises. There's no promises that that person will ever be safe for mm. the individual that they've harmed or for others. Mm. There's no promises, but yeah. there's no way to even enter in or give option for that if we don't ever tell that person the truth, if we don't ever tell that community the yeah. truth. Yeah. And so as we're in a, we're in a time now where we're, we're telling communities the truth who yeah. have thought they, they were doing things right or well for a long time. And it's, yeah. it's been very hard to hear. That's fine. While you're figuring it out, I'm going over here because I'm not staying yeah, yeah. all twisted up with you while you figure it out. I'm going to go yeah. over here and live my life. Okay. I'm going to go over here and be liberated. All right. Yeah. And so I'm going to go over here and heal because yeah. so many times when the truth has not been told, it is, it's not honoring to anybody to say you have to stay in this situation for whatever reason. You mm. need to be in a place where you can actually heal. Whether yeah. the other folks heal or not, whether the perpetrator, mm. the, the harmful person heals or not. Yeah. And so it, get, it, it, it takes conversations and hearing the hearts of people, I think for us to reimagine things like, like what what does justice really look like and i I, mm. I remember austin channing brown saying this she was on a on a live so i might miss not get it exactly right but she yeah. said you know she was upset about um someone who had harmed caused harm within the black community mm. and she was like honest about being upset this is not okay there needs to be consequences all true and then she yeah. was like i i I'm, I'm still thinking about what does it look like for there to be justice yeah. when I don't believe somebody needs to be locked up in a jail cell. I'm like, that's mm. real hard. Well, that's, because what she's yeah. saying is, what does it look like for me to honor the dignity of Amen. the person who yeah. is hurting somebody else because yeah. they still have it? Well, that's, it's yeah. so hard. That's what I was just going to get to is this idea of how do we, how, you know, you talk about truth telling and, and what does that look like from, a nonviolent perspective, right? Yeah. Because, um, you know, both you and I are part of uh, the inverse community and we've been exploring together what does a nonviolent atonement look like, a nonviolent understanding of God look like. Mm -hmm. And for me, growing up in the tradition that I grew up in, like churches had no problem truth telling per se, but it was always in this like violent retributive sense of the way, like sense of the mm -hmm. word to where it was shaming. Like it was mm -hmm. very shaming, very condemning to where it's like, oh, you know, pretty much the truth is like, you're a sinner, you deserve to die type of thing. Like this terrible retributive view of God and what the gospel actually is. Right. Um, and this just like, just very terrible view of the Trinity where the Trinity splits itself on the cross and all of this just really bad theology. But, you know, I'm yeah. the heretic for believing that God was on the cross, um, dying even though you know paul said those words but uh, but oh yeah um anyways 
that's something that needs to be explored is that there is clearly a difference between um, like confronting like individuals, communities, systems, nations, who like governments, whoever it is that mm -hmm. are, you know, colluding with like the powers and principalities um, mm -hmm. and uh, evil, right? That are causing harm, causing disunity, dis uh, destruction, all of these things. Um, like that needs to be done, right? Like, because true peace, like you do have to um, call out things that aren't leading to peace. Like peace isn't, yeah. okay, we're going to push everything under the rug and pretend like there's nothing there because that's right. not a real relationship. A relationship cannot exist on, let's just pretend that everything's fine. No, that's peacekeeping. That, yeah. And what you're pushing us towards is peacemaking. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a keeping where you just kind of hold it. And there's yeah. a making where you, there's work, there's exactly. movement, there's change. There's, yeah. And yeah. that leads to, because if you're just peacekeeping, that's not true reconciliation. That's no. not, that's not even a true relationship. Right. Because both people or both sides or whoever know that there's something else deeper going on and neither mm -hmm. one of us want to recognize it or, or call it out. And so we just stay in this, where we may be physically close, but emotionally mm -hmm. and intimately, we are, you know, far from each other. Yes. Um, because we're not willing to address like these, these hard topics, right. these hard issues where we've been hurt, we've hurt others type of thing. Yep. Um, so my whole thing with all that, just to say is like, you know, I've really been trying to navigate what does it look like to actually strive to make peace, but in a way that does not shame, does not condemn, does mm -hmm. not steal, kill, and destroy, does right. not do something horrible to the image of God, both in each other and in the image of God that we actually see in Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because I know far too often it is easy to just basically, to, to basically just view any form of justice or any form of creating peace as being retributive. Mm -hmm. um, and as someone who's deeply like in love with uh, the God that I see revealed in Jesus, um, is it's like, what, like whatever we do in our strive towards peace, is it, it can't be based off of the way that the world currently runs. Like, because yeah. the whole point is actually opposing the, that, that style of domination, that form of domination, you know, like that's like the whole point is we have to, like, we're opposing the power or we're opposing the love of power mm -hmm. and we're fighting it with the power of love, right? Like we're opposing mm -hmm. it with the shout out to my boy N.T. Wright. I, I stole that from one of his books, but <laughs> like, what does it look like to, uh, through the power of love, like um, eventually overcome the love of power that's within ourselves because we want mm -hmm. power. And mm -hmm. like, you know, like, I mean, I, plenty of times I, I like, I want power. I want to, to, you know, to be on that hierarchy of leadership and, and push people below me. And um, like, that's, we have that inclination. I wonder how much about, how much of that is about if we're, I wonder if we got really honest, how much of that desire for power is really about our desire for our own agency mm, Yeah. versus 
I want power over, which I, I get like that really is something, yeah. but I wonder how much of that is about because if I don't have power over, then I don't have my own agency. Yeah. Which, if, you know, I know we weren't supposed to come on here talking about Jesus, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, when Jesus says things like, you know, if, if they, if the soldiers tell you to walk a mile, walk two. Yeah. It's about, you yeah. have agency. Yeah. Even when yeah. people are coming here being, yeah. being wild. Yeah. And here's how you can use it. Again, yeah. that imagination and that creativity of Jesus and the giving back. There's a, there's a returning, there's a gifting Jesus does to those people yeah. where something feels like it's been taken away. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You still have agency. You still have dignity. Let me tell you how you can show up with it in these yeah. situations where they mm -hmm. try to make you think that you don't because you do. Yeah. And when you use it in these creative ways, now the other person who thought they was over here wielding their power, quote unquote. Yeah. Now they have egg on their face because they look like the asses. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I can say asses. No, on you can. Podcast, you can. <laughs> you can. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. It really, it's like the, yeah, a, um, there's a difference between a form of, there's a form of um, like passive resistance that isn't resistance whatsoever. It's just, right. we're going to let whatever happens happens and, right. and not, that's why like, I'll, I will still use the word pacifism, but mm -hmm. I, but I don't mean for it to say, Oh, I believe in just, you know, like doing absolutely nothing. Right. It's right. Because Jesus's form of pacifism is not that it's a, it's a nonviolent way of, of by living out the reign of God in the here and now, I am actively resisting mm -hmm. uh, the powers that be that do dominate, that do rely on violence physically, relationally, emotionally, whatever. Right. Um, so it's not this like, okay, let me go and hide and have nothing to do with the world. Yeah. Um, and but, part of that is the privilege to be able to do that. A yeah. lot of us don't have the, we don't, yeah. we're not even able to do that. Yeah. We have to be involved and yeah. we can't. So yeah, mm, but go ahead. Sorry. Cool. No, no, that's good. That yeah, that's good. And but and let me just say, I'm not I'm that's not judgment on people who really choose passivism. That's an invitation to think about yeah. how you're able to choose that when yeah. other people literally cannot. Yeah, because of their location where they're at, they're like, yeah, all of that. I mean, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. Uh, Greek because with that it's like there there's there is also a resistance in just saying you know what I'm I'm going to leave I'm not going to put up with this anymore and oh, yeah. like that is a form that it can be a form of of nonviolent resistance like when we look I know sometimes people talk bad about like the desert fathers and stuff who kind of went into the desert and just like try to create their own society and I get kind of I get that like uh, when people talk negatively, but I also see the pros of that, of going, no, like by doing that, they, they are speaking against mm -hmm. um, the, the culture of the day. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of, it gets very ambiguous and complicated. Um, yeah. I do. It makes me again, think of the different parts of the body. How do we, yeah. what are we equipped with? How did God, how are we created uniquely? Yeah to reflect a Mago day at yeah. such a time as this. And it might be, 
I'm going to go out here in this desert because I'm yeah. not doing it. And anybody who comes by who has need, they are welcome. We will. Help. Yeah. But if you think I'm going to live up in yo, I'm not doing that. You know? Yeah, yeah. If that's what it is, I, I'm not going to look back and be like, and have a bunch of judgment around that. Um, I think there are things that can be critiqued while or we can ask questions about things yeah. um, and realize that if we were in that time in that place, we might have chosen that. We might yeah. have, you know, thought that that was a really great way to represent bringing um, yeah. God's reign to the earth. And so just, again, there's a, there's empathy and not looking back yeah. with judgment Mm. and saying i should have done it like this yeah, um, yeah and i've had to learn to do that too yeah and saying in the in the place that they were this is where they felt they could bring god's reign to earth and so that's what they did yeah yeah there's a way of like um again it's it's kind of why i will i'll still use the word uh, like i still use the word pacifism because mm-hmm. that's what most people if i say nonviolence, people they're like, okay, what do you mean by that? You know what I mean? Right. But right. pacifism, like that? people know that word. Um, mm-hmm. And although there are so many different forms of it, but like when I say that, it's like there is, it doesn't mean um, shutting off from, mm-hmm. from the problems that I face individually, um, the problems that my community or particular community may be facing um, mm-hmm. or systemic issues. Like what it doesn't mean like, that I'm just going to ignore those things, mm-hmm. right? It means I'm not going to, I'm not going to live by their rules. Right. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do things their way. Like I'm going mm-hmm. to, um, like in, uh, I think it's in N.T. Wright's New Testament translation. He, in um, the Sermon on the Mount, he, he says that like the, the word that Jesus used for like, do not like resist is mm-hmm. actually like, it's this, he uses it, the word that Jesus, Jesus uses is like referring to violent resistance, like this mm. militaristic form of resistance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've kind of lost that in translation. Mm-hmm. So some people say like, oh, we should just, we should just do nothing. But no, it's saying like, don't, like, don't, it's the same thing of like, don't fight back evil with evil. You know, the whole eye for an eye thing saying like yes. you can resist, but don't do it by their rules. Don't do it in this mm-hmm. violent, retributive, militaristic way. Um, so even me, uh, sometimes like, you know, walk into, this might be a terrible analogy, but going to some fancy place in Atlanta and I'm wearing my flip-flops and board shorts, like I'm resisting, I'm resisting the culture, like, because I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm not gonna be wearing my $500 suit and flash. You got a $500 suit? No, I don't. I'm saying all these people <laughs> that do. Like, I'm not gonna be wearing that or like, you know, the fancy, the fancy shoes and and bragging about, you know, like whatever job I got. Like, and not, like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, nah. Like, I'm wearing my $20 flip flops. Okay, and $20 for where you get $20 flip flops from? They like $5 at Old Navy. Dang! Well, I, hey, I got them. I got them. I got them from Amazon. Okay, okay. <laughs> I thought that was fairly cheap. I need to go to old. Ne- but in my defense, I wear them like all the time. Like, I, you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like I don't. I don't want to. I don't want them breaking. Yeah, know, like, those five dollars flip flops. 
they'll be broken at the end of the summer. So I get yeah, you. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So I try to, I put some money in my foot flops, you know. Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, something as simple as that, I don't know if that's probably a terrible analogy, but it's like, no, nah, I'm not going to fall for your, like, whatever, your business grind culture, like, like freaking uh, bragging about working, you know, 80 hours a week. I'm like, some people have to work 80 hours a week because of the financial situation that they're in. And you're sitting here bragging about it in your fancy apartment and stuff like that. And I'm like, look, that like, honestly, that sucks. Like you, you were not made to work like that. Like you, you know what I mean? Like, like, come on, talk about the Imago Dea. Like, no, like that, that's not what gives you worth or dignity or value. Cause then we start using that as seeing other people in different situations and saying that, Oh, they don't have that worth or that dignity or value or that they're, they're somehow beneath us or yeah. less than us because they're not in the same situation. Right. Um, yeah. Anyways, so many different, <laughs> so many different topics we just hit. I know it's good though. It's yeah. good. It is. It is. I can't even remember how we started it. <laughs> you asked me about dignity and then we just, oh, okay. <laughs> just kept going. <laughs> hey, that's sometimes that's the best way to do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. Well, thanks Naya, uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been a minute since we've talked, so. No, well, good. I'm looking forward to catching up with you offline. Thank you for having Definitely. me. Yeah, and, uh, no problem. Yeah. I just, my my hope is that people are inspired and in, feel invited into seeing the dignity in themselves and in others even when it's even when it's legitimately hard it's mm. definitely a practice uh, yeah. but yeah and where can people find more about the dignity effect about you yeah 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 so the best place uh to find out more and to kind of see what the dignity effect is doing is on instagram at the dignity effect um it's really the only social media I'm on. I have a little YouTube channel where I talk some about some things, but most of uh, that content that's publicly available is on the Dignity Effect at Instagram. And then if you're interested in the training I do with organizations, you can go to Naya S, as in Sam, Abernathy.com. So Naya S, Abernathy.com will uh, give you some information on what I do with corporations and if you or your organization um, and not just corporations, churches, nonprofits, mm. things like that. If you're interested, uh, I do um, a free kind of consultation to see what kind of training options could uh, work for what you've got going on. So mm. those are the best two places uh, to find me. And yeah. Awesome. All right. I'll make sure to put those in the description uh, for the podcast. Um, and yeah, I definitely look forward forward to, uh, catching up with you, um, on some other stuff. So awesome. All right. Thanks, I'll see you. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. You do the same. You've been listening to the it's tough dude podcast. Thanks for joining me on the journey of wrestling with the brokenness and the beauty of the world we find ourselves in. May we all be like those guys on the road to Emmaus who did indeed find what they were looking for.